Waiting for it to cut out. Okay, Hello, welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming of age tales. We got a very special guest today, a very funny comedian. Sam Bowering is here. How Hello. are you, Sam? I'm all right, thank you. It's That's good great. to have you. And uh, this is a big solve, but I can't believe we haven't covered it yet. We're mm. talking about Glebe. Man, oh, yes. Heartland of Sydney. Hey, we've mm. danced all around it, but we've never, we've never. We never touched on no, Glee, and before. I mean, we all have tons of history with Glee. Yeah, absolutely. Half the Sydney open mic scene was born in the fire there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. you, so you were born in the fire there as well. I sense. was. I lived in two different houses in Glee. Right. Yeah. Um, one in Gottenham Street. Okay. And I remember that one as uh, I was only there till I was three, but I still remember it really vividly. Sure. I remember my first sentient moment when I was. Staring down at my hand on the floor of the linoleum kitchen as like a two, I must have been crawling or something. Mm. I was suddenly like, are you allowed to swear on this chair? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I was suddenly like, holy fuck. <laughs> as a three-year-old, you're allowed to swear. What the hell is this? <laughs> if a three-year-old says it, you're allowed to swear. Okay? <laughs> you had existential ennui at the yeah. three. Yeah. So that's, that's my first memory in life is be having like an existential yeah. crisis. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is I? Do I exist? So that's been crazy. Downhill since then. <laughs> I think that's. I think I was must have been rough because I lived in two places, and the first place I we left when I was three, mm. and I remember a few things from that place. So, but the, my first memory, I don't know if I've said this on the pod, but it was like um, I have this. Um, me and my brother, he was one, and I was three. We both had these, like, it was either some sort of la- plastic, like, laser gunny thing or some sort of toy. And my, I just remember my dad backing his car into the driveway and just crushing mine, like, oh. just crushing it. And then I looked at my dad crushing it, and then I turned to my brother, and I picked up his gun, and I go, Elliot, dad ran over your gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I, literally my first memory is just, like, that's scamming so my brother out of a... Out of a gun. And uh, yeah, because I always thought I must have been five or six, but then mum's like, no, we left that when we were three. I yeah. didn't think you'd be able to remember this. No, story. me neither. But I got yeah. tons of memories from that place. My, my dad came home. Um, he was, you know, working in an office job and working hard and all day. And he came home and he just he painted the, the halls of the house. And I was uh, sitting in my high chair eating my dinner. And uh, he came in and saw that I'd drawn in crayon all over his new <laughs> painting. So he came and sarcastically said to me, well, why don't you make a real mess of things and chuck your dinner on the floor, which, of course, I then did. <laughs> um, and I kind of remember that. Yeah, that's like, pretty like, right. Ha-ha, check it out. You, <laughs> you wish it as yeah. you command, sir. So all the hallmarks of a comedian in training, <laughs> existential <laughs> crisis is yeah. your first memory. Taking things literally. Yeah, <laughs> problem, problem with authority. That's yeah. great. Do you guys remember your first memory? Our first bits? <laughs> yeah. You first when bits? I was first doing bits at five? <laughs> no, I have no idea what my first memory I think mine would be. be, I have a memory of sitting in my, like, in a, my nan's lounge room with my uncle. And the only what, reason it dates out is because I must have been two because he died, like, when I was about two, not to bomb everyone out. But so, but I have a clear recollection of him being there and me mm. being there with him. And that's like, that's it? That, that that's would be the flirt old. first, like, memory. There we go. Yeah, no bits though. No bits. <laughs> you were like, you're about to croak, uncle. <laughs> Just trauma. <laughs> <laughs> trauma. Unresolved trauma. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> Not much left of it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so then you moved to... Then we moved to Dubai. Northcote Road, which now, like... I don't know quite how to jump around here. It became what the real, and who knows what real estate agents, you know, if they're telling the truth or not, but was accepted. <laughs> I think as we can trust them. The best street in Glebe, by the time we left it, like only a few years ago, the ancestral property was sold as my parents' marriage fell apart. Mm hmm. Um, finally, thank God. But, uh, <laughs> not the moment went out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when we moved in there, well, first of all, when we went, I remember going to inspect the house, and it must have been three because I remember my fourth birthday in the house, so it would have been three. And there were these two brothers who'd inherited this house opposite Jubilee Park, and they hated each other so much that they had literally erected a glass barrier down the middle of the house. They <laughs> <laughs> got yeah. full sitcom style. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so they could see each other. They could look through and go, I fucking hate you. <laughs> but, like... They could. Oh, and of course, there was only like one bathroom and one kitchen, so I don't know how they negotiated that <laughs> timeshare basis or something. I'd rather get the kitchen, I think. You, can, you know, you can piss in the sink. I don't yeah. want to eat out of the toilet. Well, I don't, want, like, I don't, want, sink, yeah, I don't want the kitchen if I've got a piss. I can waffle stomp one down the, <laughs> down the kitchen sink. <laughs> and, so and it was so down this hallway that was just a hallway sized hallway. Yeah. So, like, you had to sort of like scooch back against the wall, yeah, sort of. Down there. So, did you get, when you moved in, did you keep the glass? Well, no, it was gone, and I'm sure it was a condition of sale, but I was a bit disappointed. I remember thinking this is a pretty sick house, you know, it was crazy stuff. <laughs> and I was also very disappointed that the fish uh, tank that I'd seen on the during the inspection was not part of the deal. Um, but that, so my parents bought that for like, I don't know, 20 bucks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, for 50. <laughs> and like it was opposite Jubilee Park, which is nice, but then half of what is now you know, the larger part of Jubilee Park was all just this industrial, it was a, a timber yard. Mm. And so it was always saws grinding and sawdust in the air and, um, you know, noisy. And there was this sort of industrial road up up uh, to the Crescent. I don't know how to specific to be. Uh, do, your re do your readers, do your listeners know the Crescent? But some of them might be so enthusiastic anyway, as to look it up. Yeah. The, the point was, was that there was this big, you know, fuck off industrial thing right there that, you know, totally devalued. And Glebe was, you know, sort of thought of as, as a pretty working class crappy suburb back then. And um, then they got lucky because... Uh, the government at the time decided to... Oh, oh, and the other thing about that in, that I loved so much about that uh, timber yard was that every afternoon when me and my sister would go and play on the swings opposite our house, that would be the time where they would open their doors and let out all of their big, scary guard dogs to sun themselves unattended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they would just sit there in the park and my sister and I would be up like a slide going like, Mom, can you go... They're like, no, it's all right. They could yell from the balcony where they were drinking their wine. Can you just, you'll be all right. And so we had to run this imaginary gauntlet past these <laughs> dogs. All anyway, they knocked all that down and just built the park all the way to the water. And of course, you know, then Glebe started to become a very nice, well, you know, yeah. respected, yeah. Right. gentrified, green sort well, of a suburb. Wow. I didn't and, know uh, that was only a couple of decades ago. They were, yeah, like milling wood in Glebe. That's like, mm. unreal. Yeah, you know? I guess yeah. it was on the water or everything like that. Well, so imagine like, imagine waterfront property in Sydney that's all just, you know, just wooden yard. Yeah. yard and sparks and flying and dogs and shit. And that's insane oh. to think about. Yeah, yeah. well, that, I mean, that was 
like Newcastle was like that. We had the the BHP. It was just like making um, uh, iron and shit, just mel- smelting, smelting iron. iron. And it was like we lived right near there near, in Mayfield. And now and then it's like everyone was upset when it happened because a lot of people lost their jobs. But then it's like they spent like fifteen years clearing it up, and they have to do all this. Um, stuff for the soil and everything like that. And then it just became all this. Then it's like, you know what I mean? The dust clears and it's like, oh, we can just see the foreshore now. And there's all these yeah. hotels and pubs and everything opening up there. And it's Maybe like, put that the- industrial shit somewhere that, yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't look very nice exactly. in the first place. Exactly. Um, I did see, um, oh, sorry, Jerry. I just had on? a, just, you mentioned like, you know, the two eccentric brothers tearing, you know, mm. dividing the house down the middle. Yeah. And then just the working class sort of roots of Glebe. This, guy kind of you know straddles the line of both and i wanted to know if you knew him or knew of him mm. um this bloke ernest redding uh better known as ernie the fridge man <laughs> not ringing a bell, not ringing a bell. <laughs> this bloke he's um born in 1927 and died in 2001 so you know he's uh-huh. a little while ago but you know 2001 is not that long ago um and he's like literally says he was an eccentric resident like that's his wikipedia entry so <laughs> most fridge men are yeah, no, like, <laughs> there's not no. that name <laughs> um, bill the fridge man no one knows about you him build one fridge <laughs> <laughs> you wear one fridge to a party <laughs> yeah. um, people love people love this guy you he, die hiding in one fridge <laughs> in 2001 he's um he's there's a plaque in glebe uh in the community garden you know about this guy and it was like Opened by the governor of New South Wales at the time, okay. um, he was and you know eccentric is a little bit of a Looney Tune. He spent a little bit of his time in the pla- in a place called Kenmore. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but well, it's a mental institution, oh, Goulburn okay. near Queanbeyan. But that was like when you were in primary school in Queanbeyan, a lot of people make jokes like, "Hey, you fucking yeah, you Kenmore. in Kenmore, right?" Okay, um, but but he had a bit of sense of humor about it. He um he spent some time there, and then when he got out, he started he adopted the title Ernest Redding G K N L L M which stood for graduate of Kenmore Nuthouse, legally and lawfully mad. <laughs> so I like Still that. Like um, and, but what he did, he would just, he had a house in Glebe and he would f- find old fridges in scrapyards and he was just like a genius with it and fix them and just give them to like poor people around Oh, there, right. Around okay. There. Even if they didn't want them, here's yeah. another fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm three of these things. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can never have too many fridges. It's, it's, like some, my bit. it's like someone dropping a lasagna around for someone who's just given birth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, here's a fourth fridge. And like, uh, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, Ernie the Fridge, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like, I that, like that you can just be a one-note dude your whole life. You know, you go to Madhouse, you come out, and then I'm just going to be the fridge guy yeah, you do it long enough you just become the fridge guy he right? refused payment like he had a sign mm. that said something akin to like you're a dickhead if you offer money or something yeah like it was a pretty like it was a crude sign but like he was just like yeah no money like this is all free this is what i do baby such a weird such a weird thing yeah. every time you have a housewarming he brings a fridge and like, <laughs> like, damn, just like at christmas under the tree you see like all these little um, packages and one giant wrap thing. Oh, I wonder where Ernie's present just is. Humming there. You can also guess which husband has run out of ideas when the wife just sees another fridge under the tree and they're like, oh, have you been to fucking Ernie's again? He's like, no, I love you. Uh, do you remember any local, because it is a bit of an eclectic mix. I think there's a bit of housing yeah. commission around. There's a bit of a like, it is still, I wouldn't say it's working class anymore, but it's not. It's not like too. It's patchy. Yeah, it's a There's little patchy, right? Yeah. Still I mean, characters. You know where the friend in hand is. That street, Carper Street, um, used to have a lot of a housing commission around it. And I remember reading one time that I think it was the Sydney Morning Herald or the Telegraph or someone wrote it up as the worst street in Sydney, mm-hmm. the right. most dangerous yeah. street in Sydney. 
Um, and I used to walk up and down it all the time because, uh, you know, I was running a comedy night on the street. And um, Maybe that's why it was so dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you would laugh too much. <laughs> the edgiest. <laughs> but the cops were just constantly patrolling and... Um, and yeah, so uh, I don't know if I'd be too scared walking down there. Now. I know, you know, I was never that scared walking along it, but then I wasn't one of the many people who came into the pub with a white ashen face talking about how they'd just been robbed, which seemed to happen quite a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've never seen anything. I've walked around there a, a bunch of A few people mm. have mentioned I've like heard getting stuff. robbed on Cap Street. Mm. I wonder how many people go into the friend hand with an ashen face being like, I was just robbed. I don't have any... I'd love a beer. <laughs> but well, they come out of the poker. Uh, I was just robbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With story. <laughs> there was a guy, I can't remember what his name was, but he was, um, he had Tourette's and he also had some kind of like very good memory for dates. He would say, you know, when were you born? He'd ask you wh- what your birthday was and then he'd reel off. He was like a pub local mm-hmm. at the friend in hand. Then he'd reel off all these things that happened on that particular oh, day, wow. all nice. those historical stuff that had happened on your birthday. Um, but I remember once I was in there during the daytime for whatever reason, and he was there and there were these two coppers eating a couple of burgers. And hes I've never really seen Tourette's in action before. Mm. He goes up to them and he goes, uh, I've got some I got some weed in my pocket, officers. I've got weed in my pocket. Just a stick, just 25. People used to call it a stick. Yes. <laughs> when people used to buy paltry little amounts of stuff. Not like these days. Um, but uh, I've got a stick in my pocket. And the police are like, don't tell us about that, please. We're having our lunch. Yeah. Like, if you, we just, it's nothing. We're going to have to take you to the bloody cop shop. And, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's right here. Right? He's, you know, getting in there and then rustling around in his pocket, please don't do it. And he pulls it out and proudly shows them. And they're like, oh, no, we have to take you into the police station. You've ruined our lunch. (laughs) (laughs) We have to beat you now. (laughs) They really were not up for this arrest at all. So that was just a Tourette's tick of him to do that. just like confessing on the spot. Wow. There are some cops. I've done something That's wrong. That's the worst yeah. tick to have. That's like, just like, like, <laughs> the, the most like anti-cop or... guy who's just like, you know what? I'm going to ruin those cunts lunch by committing a crime <laughs> in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard, yeah, I didn't know that they would, he'd be compelled to pull it out because I've heard people. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, there was a lot going on with him and I don't I don't know enough about the disease to say that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on with this bloke. No. I got something, <laughs> speaking of two cops, I got a great article from Glebe about two cops. Two <laughs> cops, uh, one cop. <laughs> it's almost two cops, one stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the title is Two Policemen in Court After a Sack Whack Joke Led to One of Them Losing a Testicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sack Whack is in like a Sopranos whack, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the gun yeah. execution style. Uh, it says, and uh, I found a couple of articles about this. I mostly cribbed from the Daily Telegraph because they had a more playful streak with their wording choice mm-hmm. and their first sentences. As they do. It's all fun and games until someone loses a testicle that's the crux of a criminal trial playing out in sydney's downing center local court where a case of sack whacking has pitted two police officers against each other one as the alleged assailant the other the victim on trial is constable paul michael vella who is accused of committing grievous bodily harm, actual bodily harm, and com- common assault on his former workmate. Did his- he do it with his billy club? His alleged victim is Gary Stoddart, a 41-year-old leading senior constable who worked with Vela at the Leichhardt local area command. 
Both were on duty during May 13th, 2015, when the incident that landed both men in court is alleged to have unfolded. Vela's account is that he was sitting at a computer in the muster room of Glebe Police, police Station when Stoddart, taking a phone call, unsuccessfully tried to sack-whack him as a joke, which the pair would often do to each other. <laughs> Keep in mind as well, there's a 14-year age gap and the guy who lost his testicle is this guy's boss, essentially. Okay. So the 41-year-old bo- attempted an unsuccessful sack Yeah, so the 41-year-old's trying a sack-whack because they yeah. do sack-whacks and often. And he's okay. old, he's lost you his... You come with the king, you best not miss. Pass his best. Um, a sack-whack... <laughs> is defined as a backhanded flick or slap of the testicles designed to cause immediate pain. Thank you, Daily Telegraph. Okay. Uh, Vela told the court he leaned forward and retaliated against Stoddart, who didn't show any immediate signs of injury. It was very light, Vela said. It was a flick. But Mr. <laughs> Stoddart told the court Vela grabbed his testicles and clenched his fist, oh. prompting him to shout in pain. There were no direct witnesses to what happened. What's not in dispute is what happened afterwards. Experiencing constant pain, Stoddart visited visited several doctors and eventually had a testicle removed due to a condition known as epididymitis, the inflammation of tubes inside the reproductive Uh. organ. Vela was charged in January last year and suspended from duty. Legally, the case turns on whether the May incident led to Mr. Stoddart losing his test. This is like... I mean, it could have been the, their long history yeah. of sack Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it's also like CTE, like <laughs> it's like boxing. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you do... I did legal studies in like year 11 and 12 and like, because I was like, yeah, do it. That's our resident law expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like, you know, like sometimes, oh, the law, like murder and so... And then like you do work experience and you do... And like so much of it is boring case for us. Mm. This would be like, this is what I got in into practicing law for <laughs> the Sackwack trial. I'd be handing out cards all the time. Oh, fucking hell. But um, it said, uh, Vela's barrister, Brett Longville, told the court there was no conclusive evidence of the Sackwack causing the loss of the testicle and also that Mr. Stoddart suffered from pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, the court also heard of the pair's larrikin behaviour and practical jokes at the station. Both officers were known to sack-whack each other frequently. <laughs> this is the only fucking in Australia the word sack-whack appears in an article multiple times. Other incidents were also recounted. Lockers were wired shut with coat hangers and boat boots filled with garbage. We're both larrikin blokes, Vela said. It's just, it's just like, we're both piece of shit. Like, uh, <laughs> policing is a serious job and it's good to lighten the mood around the office. Yeah. Okay. Magistrate Get Robert his ball yeah. <laughs> Magistrate Robert Williams said there was little, if any, consistency between the two workmates' versions of events. So it's kind of a Rashomon thing where they're recounting and they're both. That, what a great right remake that would be of Rashomon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the a, le- a legal thriller. thriller. <laughs> was it the end of their long-running friendship? I mean, obviously, if it they sounds, wound up in it court. sounds like sounds it was, it's yeah. a criminal the co- charge, part. right? It's not it's a, a criminal civil. charge. Yeah, <laughs> he's not suing him. He, he's been no, charged. no. He's been charged with assault and grievous bodily harm, which is. Is this uh, like a current story? This is from 2015. Oh, okay. Uh, so Magistrate Williams said the incident was known between the pair as a sack whack and it happened up to 50 times previously. Outside court, Constable Vela was asked if he regretted what happened the day his colleague was hurt. No, not at all, he replied. <laughs> Vela was found not guilty wow. of sack whacking his boss into losing a testicle. Yeah, oh, well, that's hard to prove. But he got 
suspended. He, he got, got sacked. Yeah, he got the sack. All right. He got the sack twice. <laughs> I don't know if he's gone back to work or if either of them have gone back to work. You have to assume the friendships. <laughs> oh, they just you can just shoot, you know, crazy, you know, people who are a bit unstable, you know, like tackle some indigenous kid, and you don't you get suspended with pay, but you flick your boss's balls and you get fired and yeah, you know yeah, charge. Yeah, yeah. It's just unreal, isn't it? That's uh, that's ridiculous. Like. So he he claimed that he grabbed it and squeezed it. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely outside the realms of the sackware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, not, a sack, that's not a sackware. <laughs> I also the said judge. they'd sackware each other up to 50 times. Like, you're getting, like around 30, I'm probably yeah. breaking that friendship Just off. Like, yeah, yeah. We're both larrikin blokes. We love a bit of cock and ball you torture. <laughs> 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 oh. Do you guys remember getting sackware oh, happened at school? Course. Yeah, I well, also I remember it. a kid in my... In the year above me, uh, I won't name him. That was a stupid idea. I was about to just say his name. But uh, he, like, the rumor was that he had one testicle. And, like, I'm pretty, like, that was true. The untrue part of the rumor, or, like, not untrue, <laughs> so it, it could the be size true, of a beach was that his testicle was removed due to getting the world's biggest atomic wedgie. Like, oh. he got a wedgie so hard that his ball, like, went up inside and had oh. to be removed. Oh. I don't know if that part's true or not, but, like, he definitely had one ball. And one of the best comebacks I ever saw was... Because this guy was, like, a, a coolish kid as well and would, like, bully people and make fun of him. And he made fun that of my... Cool. Yeah, he made fun of my mate Davis once, and Davis just turned to him and went, "Shut up! You're half the man I am." It <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like everyone was just like, "Damn, he got got there." <laughs> yeah, if I had one ball, I'm not telling anyone at school. Like, just <laughs> yeah, find it yeah. out, you know what I mean? That's but yeah, but sackwhack was a huge thing for a little while. It's just I never, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't think it ever happened to me. Didn't happen. I don't. Uh, All right, stand up. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're different ages, kind of, aren't we? I'm forty-three. Oh yeah, Yeah, thirty-seven. Just this maybe slight generation. Slight. So you think Sackwack is a two thousand? Yeah, yeah. It certainly hasn't happened in like a corporate environment. You know, like (laughs) it's not a job. It's just at school. Yeah, I don't think I've been Sackwacked since I was like eighteen. Speaking of um. Balls and school and <laughs> generational things. This I, I, this only just came back to me, and I've been dying to find out if anyone else went through this. I've asked people about this. There was this year in primary school where something happened with some kid. Some boy had a problem with his testicles, and it resulted in something bad happening to him. I don't even. I have no idea what it was. But as a result, as a knee jerk result, the government decided that all little boys would have their testicles checked at school. And yeah, absolutely. And so Sounds I rem- like a story that a principal who will end up in jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. think it was this uh, statewide, maybe Australia-wide, I don't know. But there was this, there was this line, I remember standing in this line to go into the sick bay and no one had told us what it was about. And I was just like, oh, is this when we find about how we get our periods? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, is yeah. this going to be that? Moment. Anyway, I go in. Do you remember, like, how old do you reckon you would have been? I reckon I would have been about, like, year two or three or something. Holy moly, okay. And so I go into the sick bay, and there's this nurse, uh, female nurse, and um, I guess, you know, the fact that she was a female made it it okay to do this. She said, drop your dax, I'm going to check your balls and make sure that you have two and that they're both well descended and... She had long red fingernails. Oh my god! I remember looking down as this who was a young, good-looking nurse, but I was entirely prepubescent, of course, and no sexual anything going on. But I do have a memory 
bank so that you know I can look back on this and it can become a weird sexual <laughs> <laughs> if I want it to become one but anyway I look down and she's like gripping my nuts with these like red claws oh. and telling me like oh you're very lucky some little guys only have one some even have three if you can believe that anyway you're okay you've you've got two good ones and off you trot and I left and and I didn't think anything of it until years later when I was like, did anyone else remember when this fucking thing <laughs> happened? Jesus but the thing was, I think it only happened one year and it was... One uh, school. Yeah. No, one no, person. I, think, no, I, fa- I, have, <laughs> I have found the odd person who's exactly my age who's right. been like, oh yeah, I do remember when that ha- wow. that weird thing happened. But obviously they must have been like, we can't do this. Yeah, this is a real <laughs> yeah, weird like, reaction. Yeah. Someone. We've gone way far beyond. Well, we can't just randomly squeeze every two year, <laughs> year two boys' balls without even telling them what they do if they find one or something. What do they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Take not out good. Take back and shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going, going into freak You're war. faulty, young boy. <laughs> You're a weirdo. I like how she said you got good ones too. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, two, yeah. and they're of top quality. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, they probably were back then. <laughs> Fresh balls. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, I'm, our sex ed crap was just literally some old, some lady showed us a photo of a penis or whatever, mm, and we're just in a room, and we're stuff. just like, and yeah. then that was pretty much it. I don't think there was any thought that went into it. And there was, like, you know how, I don't know if you see on TV, they'll do like a physical in American shows, yeah, and it's yeah. like cough, turn to the side. I never understood what the hell that was at all. I, it sounds like a similar thing, right? I don't even know what they're checking for Maybe, there. Yeah. But I've never, ever had anything like that. No. Not even a GP. I remember a adult. sex ed thing where, you know, the question that the teacher asked was like, and so, you know, can you answer where you start to grow hair in new places when you go through puberty? And I thought I was being very clever, and I was like, on the penis. And the whole group laughed, and she laughed too, which was very supportive, and she was like, no, 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 around the penis, but not on the penis. And, like, years later, I'm looking down there and I'm like, bitch, there is fucking hair on the penis. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, yeah, around the base. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but what is technically the penis? Yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> wrong, okay? okay? I've been haunted by this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very funny. Fucking hell. I did find a little bit of history um, at, uh, in Glebe, which was um, – there's an estate there in Glebe called Lindhurst. You know, those old mansion-y things that have a name mm-hmm. around Sydney. And um, Dargan Street. I don't know where you know. It's sort of yeah, a couple Dargan back Street. from um, Wentworth Park, basically. Yeah. 61 Dargan Street. It was up for sale a couple of years ago. A lot of money. Um, but in the article, it had a little note. And again, like Daily Mail sort of or whatever, made, uh, Telegraph made this like the highlight of the whole article was it was one point uh, headquarters of the NSPA, the National Socialist Party of Australia, aka the Nazi Party of Australia. There you go. There you go. So in uh, in 1972, uh, from 68 to 72, it was the headquarters of them. So um, basically there was was a a party called the ANSP, the Australian National Socialist Party, uh, and a couple of guys joined that and they started kicking around. They were obviously all you know, racist, mm-hmm. but some of them were a bit like, uh, basically they, two of them said, look, this whole, this party, the ANSP, we don't like that. They're sort of a bit too, uh, militant and crazy and extremists. And they've got a jackbooted Nazi image. So they left and they formed their own part of the NSPA. So they were like, listen, we're, we're nationals for fascists. We're white 
supremacists. Yeah. We're not crazy Nazi weirdos. Lose yeah. the jack. But then they form the the NSPA, but this is still their logo, right? <laughs> okay. So they yeah. still they're like, well, we can't not have a swastika, right? Like yeah. we're, you know, so then um they were. They we'll formed. put the film festival wreath around it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to okay. give it some prestige. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's exactly right. So then they they formed a sort of splinter group, which was sort of like, and then they were trying to. Uh, uh, th- this guy, this Ted uh, Cawthorn guy, he was like, "Listen, um, we're we're Nazis or whatever, but we got to get rid of this." regalia and the swastikas and the germanism and all this stuff we just to be political the only way we're going to get it get anything we want is we got to be politically um, successful mm-hmm. and so we need to start doing that so they he um they got about 200 members or something and then they started um uh suggesting to he, he said hey like why don't we get rid of all this all this stuff we need to have a vote and they all voted against it they were like no we we want to be successful and have like Nazi, you know, signs all over. Aesthetics. We love the aesthetics. So they ran. Uh, they went for the New South Wales Senate um, in 1974. They got a thousand votes, 0.03 percent. Um, and one of their members, um, Ross the Skull May, <laughs> <laughs> he can. Come on. He, he he had a big big ambitious campaign to unseat Gough Whitlam in Werriwa as Whitlam was PM. Right, yeah. um, Ross the Skull got 89 votes. Um, the uh, NS Bulletin, like the newspaper of the group, considered the results encouraging. Um, so, <laughs> well, there so, was 89. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, Nearly 88. Zero. You know, <laughs> for 88. Um, <laughs> and so then they folded in the mid-70s and they collapsed. I don't know how, they, I looked around, I don't know how they got access to this house because it's, I mean, like you said, I think back then even like even a mansion in glebe was probably not that expensive Mm. to rent Mm. um or whatever to lease so um but you know and this house has been sold a bunch of times it's still got this stigma on it but the nspa folded in the mid 70s and then they kept splintering off in other groups one guy jim um salim he's still active in the in the neo-nazi circles or whatever he this guy he was like got a real bad rap sheet but um firebombing a maoist bookshop organizing like a shotgun attack on a foreign diplomat. He's, he's photoed in full Nazi regalia all the time. Um, he got arrested for possessing a, a large like baseball club with nails in it. Like this guy's like an absolute psychopath. He went on to form national action from the NSPA. That lasted for 10 years. And then eventually he became the chairman of the Australian First Party, which is still active and has its headquarters in Tempe and continues to exist to this day. And I love this on the Australian First Party on the Wikipedia. You scroll down and there's a section called Racism Allegations. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let's see what the controversial section of the Australian First Party has to say. So there you go, a bit of, bit of glee. I wonder history. what sort of price, like how much you could get knocked off the price of a house if it's a former Nazi house. Yeah. Because I would get rumours started about a house I have my eye on. Well, I, I think some people, I was thinking that, but I'm like, maybe it, bids it up a little bit from a historical point. You Maybe. know, some weirdos. Yeah. It, it's not, they're clearly a bit of a, you know, they didn't, they weren't successful with anything. They're a bit of a tin pot, silly, like ragamuffin group, you yeah. know, so it's more 
some weirdo with a bit of his, but obviously if you're going to move your family and they, I don't know about this, you know, but I'm assuming some eccentric millionaire might go, oh, this is a bit of a story so to it's tell. It's the same as like, I mean, if anyone died there, then there were Nazi ghosts, then I could yeah. imagine that would be pretty spooky. That's cool. <laughs> if it was just like, ah, oh, there were some dickheads that had some dumb meetings here and they yeah. know, were a joke and they never got voted into anything. Yeah. And it knocked 10% off the price. I'd be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> Um, we can redress that. I'll put up some pictures of kittens and drink the vibe nice in here now. It's just covered in famous Equality Jewish now. people. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were growing up there as a kid, are you? Is it like you know what? What's sort of the timeline of the gentrification there? Because it, it seems well, to have happened in sort of steps. Yeah, I mean it's real muddy, of course, to me. Um, I think. Well, I think it started at the at the water end yep. of Glebe Point Road, yep. probably. With all that stuff I mentioned about the, you know, the turning yeah. the timber yard into a nice bit of park. Nick Greiner was the state, uh, what do you call the head of the state? Premier. Premier. The Premier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird one to Grand remember. Grand the Emperor. Yeah. Anyway, he opened it up, called it Bicentennial Park. Um, uh, even like the views from Glebe, like, you know, the what used to be called the Glebe Island Bridge got knocked down and then that's that big, you know, overpass now. Mm. Um so, I don't know. I mean... And there's still new stuff being built there all the time. Yeah, there's like, sort of... It's a building, know, building, building. I mean, one... I was thinking about, like, what I can remember from my childhood there. One thing I do remember really vividly is that there was heaps of nature around the joints, mm-hmm. which isn't there anymore, which is really sad. So, there used to be, you know, beautiful swallows, little cute willy wagtails, mm. even sparrows and pigeons, whereas now it's all just minor birds and crows. And... um you know, and in the waterways, there's this canal that goes through Glebe that goes um, under a bridge. So this park, there's a bridge from one bit of the park to the other. And I used to go and catch this eel there every weekend. The same eel. <laughs> yeah, the same eel. Like, All right, Saturday, let's go. Go down there. <laughs> Text the eel, I'm coming down. <laughs> Get my net, go down, be like, how's it going? Catch it, put it in a bucket, look at it, be fascinated by it. Take it out of the bucket, put it back in. See you next Saturday. You know, um, all these fish, these little mud skippers used to live in the canal, and they were also in the harbour, which was also always a pretty dirty harbour, really, but um, or bay rather. Um, there were these every spring, I think it was. You'd see all these black sea slugs would all just appear spontaneously mm-hmm. everywhere, and. This gives me the horrors to think back on it for multiple reasons, but they were so abundant that me and other kids on me used to have sea slug fights. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yes. We'd like pull up, you know, a handful. And they were quite oh, large. Yeah. Like peg him around. And I think it's so guilt-making and awful because it means I am partially responsible for the fact that there's been this decline. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like a fucking gentrifier. That's yeah. why you're strangling a sea slug. <laughs> sea slug like genocide. A, yeah, this is a bit off topic from the time. But to me, I guess that uh, that's what I think about when I think of how Glebe has changed over the years. It's how sad it is that and I'm sure there's lots of suburbs that are exactly the same as we gentrify and there's more of us and blah, blah. It used to be nice that there was all these aspects of nature that could survive alongside us until rotten little boys came and pegged <laughs> them at each other. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, and it got all built up and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it I think it grew kind of from the, the fancy end of, the, of Glebe. Is the tram works, that's Glebe? Or am yeah. I, is that sort of next door? Because yeah. that's real quite bougie, right? Yeah, I yeah. don't know if that yeah. had a big moment mm. where, because that would have 
I don't at some know point, it, just been a tram. I think or, it was just sitting there empty for a long time. Yeah, because I don't have much memory of that. Now it's, of course, it's like fancy ass restaurants and that's a it's a big thing to go all like because like uh, the Everly area of Redfern mm. where the um where the old trains uh, you know what's it called carriage works yeah mm. like I, when I first moved to Sydney that was just nothing and then it, like all these old like yeah train. Um, whatever you call it, um, rolling stock where they repair them all. The Transportation infrastructure, infrastructure from yesteryear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just were sitting dormant for and then they went, oh, let's just put a restaurant. And then they all like overnight become this real yeah. cool area. Yeah. But I know that Tramworks has like a real vibe around it now and imagine that's like the water, so as you say, it spreads towards sort of Glee Point Road from yeah. you know, over the years. But there's still, you know, there's a couple of, you know, housing commissioning bits and and rough patches left so well it's like uh, in and i'd say 2006 2007 i would come up to glebe quite a bit because i had a friend who lived just on i think on i think it's called glebe road like where the glebe it's called the glebe that used to be the australian youth hotel mm. it's on the corner there and he lived there which was in he lived in a housing commission house and like that whole like glebe point road had like a bit of stank on it and i remember <laughs> my my friend uh, tk crashed my car and we had to get the bus back and we Got the car towed to my mate's house, just fucking driving in the too fast in the rain, <laughs> and um and then we got it towed back to my mate's house and left it there. And then I came, we got the bus back to Queanbeyan, and I came up I think the next weekend or something. And my car, no tires, up on bricks, mm. uh, every window smashed out, oh, shit. fully flooded because it had rained a lot. And family at cats. Just a cat and lots of kittens living in the car. <laughs> I don't know that this one is worth repairing. But. <laughs> Did you steal my tires? <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, got Actually, there was one thing that sort of made me think this suburb has changed into, you know, being hoity-toity or something was when the cops, I don't know, this is, a, this is like an example of real white privilege, I think, maybe. But I was smoking weed in the house and it was all billowing out into the street and the door was open. My girlfriend at the time was in there with my sister. They're just like belching out, you know, cones full of smoke. And I had to go and get something out of the car and I realised I'd locked the key in the car. So I'm on the street with a, you know, what do you call it? Like a Mm -hmm. uh, coat coat hanger. hanger. Yeah. And I'm breaking into the car and whilst all this weed billows out (laughs) onto the street, right? And the cops drive past and I'm like, oh, fuck (laughs) And they stop and they look at me and then they just drive on. Yeah. I'm like, I'm breaking into a car <laughs> yeah. surrounded by drug smoke. And you guys don't... Well, I had a lunch reservation like, to get to. Yeah, <laughs> It's okay. He's down the good end of Glebe. He'll, he'll be okay. <laughs> I was driving through Glebe literally a week ago and it was sort of like nine o'clock or whatever. And I was at the lights that the lights on Glebe Point Road at like facing the park. And I just... See, I'm on my phone at the lights. Like, I'm the first one just, like, doing something. You shouldn't be on your phone, but I was stopped. And then I just get this light flashes in my eye like that, and I look, and it's a cop, and he's, like, got his phone, and he's flashing me with his phone. And I'm, like, I thought he was, like, mad at me for having the phone. And I'm, oh, drop my phone. I'm, like, no, not on my phone, you know. And then he just, I'm, like, and then he just keeps flashing me, and he's, like, going like this. And now I'm like, oh fuck! He's like telling me to pull over. Or you know what I mean? Reaches I'm fucked. the window, wax you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I finally Slack after yeah. after about 45 seconds, I, I'm just like, and then he just keeps going like that. And I'm like, oh fuck! He means to roll my window down. So I roll it down. And he just goes, turn your headlights on, you dickhead. And it's like nine o'clock. I didn't have my fucking headlights <laughs> on. And I'm like, oh shit! Turn them on. I'm like, 
And then <laughs> he, he just drives off, and I'm like, I could have he could have got me for ten things there. <laughs> yeah. And the lights green were now, and I'm like, yeah, like exactly. I felt like fuck. I got away with that. Sometimes they think they just can't be bothered. Yeah, exactly. They really do have murder to solve. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I want to bring up this bit of history. Oh well, not history, but a bit of um, the culture of Glebe, which is Glebe markets. Yeah, um, and people um, love those markets. Yeah, and there was a bit of controversy at the start of this year about them. I don't know if you guys didn't hear the controversy about the Glebe markets. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, there's a Netflix special. <laughs> Have you out. Ever been? A series. I've yeah, I've nev- been. I've been to a very similar thing. I've never been to yeah. Glebe markets, but it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, if I, you I want some once. like secondhand thready clothing mm. and old CDs, it's the place for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, because like markers either have like a see the food. food vibe or it's, I'm selling shit out of my garage or it's like artsy crafty. But is, yeah. what's the vibe? Is it, is it a bit of all that or is it, it is more? I would say it's all. a bit of all of it, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, okay. I must admit, I haven't been for like ages, maybe 10 years or something. Yeah. Have you been more recently than that? Uh, well, I, probably been in like in the last three or four but i walked past like two sundays ago actually and there's Mm. definitely like a lot of food there now a lot of arts and crafts stuff but yeah you can still i think grab cds and my experience of it it, you you'd always hate it if you tried to drive past it on a saturday when it's on right yep and um you take a route up glee point road forgetting that the market was on and and hit the market traffic Mm. which was all about this one crossing across this little bit of road i think i know that crossing like they have no sympathy for the cars everyone's just like la-di-da off to the market (laughs) it's like i've been in here for 20 minutes (laughs) can you please just one of you just stop yeah let me pass i hate when you like i've done that before when it's very busy and i'll stop and just be like, all right, you like go, but then someone else fucks it for you and crosses, and then the car yeah, stops, and then yeah, you've got yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, and then you yeah, run across. That's why. Have you ever been in like Indonesia or whatever? When like cars will just there's no pedestrian yeah. crossing, and you just have to walk in front of cars and hope that they slow down, <laughs> and that's just the vibe. And you that's when you go, this is a better system. It that's a better, better system, system when it's like yeah. people are just egregious like that. I'll tell you about the controversy, okay. right? So it's been going for thirty years. Nineteen nineties, it started, right? And uh, in February this year, they announced um, abruptly with no warning that they were, they were shutting down, right? So, um, uh, and they were going to be shutting down in, they gave 25 days notice. So it was like t- two days before the Saturday, they said, this is the fourth last one, bang, 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 you know, three and a bit weeks and we're going to be done. Um, and everyone was like, what the hell, right? And the owner, um, which I can't get over this. Um, the guy's name who runs it and owns it is David McCumsty. So, <laughs> so think yeah, of Mc, and then he's yeah. So Cumsty. Mm-hmm. So da- I just can't not laugh every time I read. Mr. McCumsty said. Um, so <laughs> McCumsty. Uh, it's a shame that it'll end, but things do come to an end, and this is what happens in life. Um, and they said the reason was sim- they've just simply had enough of running the site and wanted to retire. They want to spend their retirement doing housework and some art projects. And um, they gave 25 days notice. And a lot of the store owners are really mad because a lot of them, they're, it's their primary income. They're artists. They make things, whatever. They generally generate their rent through mm. these markets. So how? Because it's at a primary school. That's right. So how does it work? Like- so, yeah, exactly. So the, the, it's owned by the Department of Education, the land. Um, and the land, they lease it 
to the McCumsties, and they have <laughs> right. for yep. thirty years. It's always been in the. She M- took McCumst- his name. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so the his his fa- his mum and dad owned it, and and then it's a long line of McCumsties. McCumsties yeah. have got their fingerprints all over this place. So they've been doing it for for that long. He's like, I'm done. But um, the the lease was coming up for renewal, and so he was like. Um, I guess he probably couldn't negotiate a, um, you know, a, an extension that was satisfying for him. So he said, we're done. It's done. It's done. It's over. And it's going to shut. And that's it. And people were like, oh, what if someone else takes it over? And then all these local members and the Department of Education said, we got no intention of shutting this down. Like, we want it to continue. Yeah. We just need to find a new operator. So they come out and they said, we, we'll get an um, interim operator in and then we'll put it out the tender as quick as they could. But the Comstees kept posting on Instagram that they were done, it was closed, and it comes out that the McComsey's had uh, tried to find someone to buy the business from them, including the trademark Glebe Markets, the website, the emailing list, and uh, apparently an offer of 200 grand was rejected from them, right? So mm. they don't, they're not, the st- the stalls are individual people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, all they, they do. They own a concept. They own a, mm-hmm. they own a concept and they of just. a market. Literally rent seekers. <laughs> That's right. A Glebe market, yeah. if you will. Uh, what if we got a market in Glebe? It comes to you, you're a genius. You know? So they are literally middlemen between the stall owners and the Department of Education. So, so, so the next guy comes in and is like, yeah, I want to carry it on. And the McComsey's are just like, no, 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 uh, no. We've trademarked it. Literally, the concept of markets. Uh, this is exactly what's happened, right? So they're saying it's. They keep saying now we um, we're done, but hopefully someone buys the business. They keep saying that, and um, you know rumors of two hundred grand asking price or whatever was rejected or whatever. The Department of Education, like, look, whatever. There's there's a plot of land. People want markets there. There'll be markets there. Um, so then eventually, uh, with only a two-week gap in operation, they announce that they're going to recommence on the 11th of March. Um, but, however, it becomes uh, a bit problematic when the like the 11th of March comes along and the McComsties post on the Glebe Markets Instagram page, Glebe Markets is closed. So it's opened again under new owners, new mm. runners, and the McComsties post, it's closed. It's not open. Glee Marcus is closed. And then everyone, all the, no one turns up. And all the stall owners are really mad. They get like 10% of foot traffic. And basically, um, they say, uh, like, the, they go to them and say, what, what are you doing this for? And he's saying, we own the trademark Glee Markets. The Department of Education could run markets on the ground, but it would not be Glee Markets. They said, you have to understand that this is a brand. Glee Markets is no longer operating here. What really no, needs... We're going to take it to Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Well, he said, what really needs to be ex- expressed is that there is another business. This is not Glee Markets. We are Glee Markets. Um, and they said, we, um, we're protecting our trademark. Um, it's not our business uh, to... like." So basically, they just kept saying we're closed every week. And they're on Google, when you search Glebe Markets, it says closed, permanently closed. And they won't update it, even though they've got a new manager. The stall owners are like struggling. And they just keep coming out and saying every week, posting on Instagram on the website. And they're saying, um, I don't want people turning up going, oh, this is not Glebe Markets. Glebe Markets is lame all of a sudden. This is a brand. It's not going and uh, we're no longer in that location. We may move to another location, but we're still trying to sell the business. So they're just trying to get, they're trying to just blackmail someone to buy yeah. this thing. Um, and basically also stall owners noticed that when the owners like left, they took all the toilet paper from all the toilets with them. 
Um, and they also pressure hosed all the signage off the floor, off the ground that said like stall 15, stall 16, like just absolute no reason. Um, and they basically said, yes, we took the toilet paper. That's our toilet paper. Um, it didn't belong to the school. That was our toilet paper and our toilet paper roll hangers. And it's not my job to leave them toilet paper. Um, they're grown adults. They can get their own toilet paper. This guy's yeah. a psychopath. <laughs> and so then eventually uh, Google came out and like just changed it. And it's now called Markets at Glebe. Not cool. Glebe Markets. Yeah. That's the new one. So you search Glebe Markets. There's two websites. Glebe Markets, Markets at Glebe. Glebe Markets, we are shut. It's not happening. It's no longer there. Markets at Glebe, we're open for business. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Toilet paper. And Should he, have taken the 200. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. So three. There's one thing, one guy that needs toilet paper, it's McCumstey. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that's it. So that, that to this day, it's still running there as Markets at Glebe, but he's still hoping someone's going to give him 200 grand for a freaking website well, more than what 200 more grand. yeah yeah he probably he's like dude oh, i reckon at this point he'd take fucking 200 bucks surely he's got an email list apparently but like what you know it's yeah, so i walked past two weeks ago and it's i mean i don't know if it's as booming as it ever was but there are a lot of people in there yeah, so yeah. i think the glebe markets gambit has well and truly failed <laughs> yeah. and did you say when did that all start like february this year oh right and then it took a couple of months and eventually everyone sort of realizing but he's still constantly po like it's on the website. It's on the Instagram. So if you go on the Instagram, they'll like for today. They'll just be like, "Yeah, it's shut today." Oh, not he was doing that for a month, and now it's just the pin post. We are closed, mm. and it just and disabled all comments. Um, <laughs> please respect. We're protecting our trademark. The guy's retired. You know, he's yeah, like yeah. he just should just go off into the wilderness or whatever. It's so you know? funny. Yeah, I don't know. Just just do a crazy arts and crafts that he yeah. wants to do. Just got handed a business by his parents, did not you know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah, a complete yeah. rent seeker. Markets at Glebe appears ahead of Glebe yep. Markets on Instagram now if you search Glebe Markets. Yep. So But he's you think he would just close the page down to stop any confusion. Yeah, here we go. Glebe Markets is closed as the first pin post, yep. comments disabled, temporary closed while we wait for a buyer for the business. We will yep. let you know when we're ready to reopen. Yeah, it is not at the same thing. Markets at Glebe is not Glebe Market. It's so funny because it would be all the same store It's exactly owners, the same store There is no difference. That's there so is funny. no difference. So. Someone like, oh, the branding's not the same yeah. as it was. Yeah. Well, this is, I don't have a McComsty feel about it anymore. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, I do like Run by the OGisfords now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good stuff. Um, uh, I, I've got one historical character uh -huh. from way back in the day. So I... You know, Sam, you probably haven't met or heard of this bloke before. This is a notorious uh, publican, Bobby Hancock. He died in 1876 mm -hmm. and he was kicking around Glebe from like the 1820s. I think he had his first pub. Um, but the, the most famous one, which, which was located in Glebe, was the Lady of the Lake. Um, and that... Good name for a pub. Great name for a pub. Um, and it's kind of like... You know, whenever we've looked at inner city, inner city sort of Sydney suburbs and we've gone back, you know, you go back before in that time between sort of the 1800s and start of the 1900s and it's just like slum, slum criminals, like yep. just like, you know, the... The push gangs, I think, of the yeah. rocks, they turn up in this. Like it's just, slugs everywhere. Well, it was all like, <laughs> it was all like fighters. worker housing and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. worker yeah. cottages. Some of the bigger ones were like, oh, that's where the whip master lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's always he like a broom. at the top of the hill. Yeah, there's like a broom factory or <laughs> yeah. something, you know. Yeah. Um, this was uh, like a retrospective that 
was in um, a newspaper in 1926 that I found on good old Trove. Um, so it's an, it's a column called Old Sydney, and I guess it's a bloke who's – I love the bloke's name. He's just called Old Chum. <laughs> He's, you know, yeah. like an anonymous uh, um, unsigned editorial. Um, so this hey, is everybody just calls me old chum, yeah. <laughs> officer. Um, this is uh, old chummy headlined Hancock's Tower. A gentleman indifferent to soap and water. Nothing <laughs> 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 like an old time. That's a roast it? battle. Yeah. Ding ding ding. Uh, <laughs> died leaving a fortune. So it starts on the 26th of February 1876. They're passed out at the Lady of the Lake Hotel, Bay Street, Glebe. If not in the odour of sanctity, at least in the undisputed possession of great wealth, an old, if not a very reputable colonist, Robert Hancock, age 73. Uh, at the time of his death, Robert Hancock's wealth was estimated at anything between 50,000 and 100,000 pounds. Um, Mr. Hancock's appearance was not prepossessing. He was one-eyed or cross-eyed of sinister appearance and perfectly indifferent to soap and water. Filthy in person, he was filthy of tongue and mind. His life, as far can be gathered, was one continued record of evil deeds and evil doings. Damn. So this guy, yeah, he's copping it from old He stinks. He stinks. Yeah. He's, got, he's got one eye or he's cross-eyed. He's, I don't know. His eyes are fucking weird. I don't want to look directly at him. Um, it says, he's eccentric and suspicious and not above doing a little business on the cross. His residence, Lady of the Lake, Bay Street, on the corner of Greek Street, was the rendezvous for larrikins of the lowest and foulest type. Thieves, outlaws, and vagabonds generally. Uh, the females frequenting the lady were of the hay bag type. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, I had to look up hay bag, but old time he's. Let me have a guess. Exactly, yeah, it's exactly what you think. Um, much addicted to gin and rum and general filth. Uh, the, the <laughs> what? I gotta get me some filth. <laughs> yeah, he likes gin rum. He also eats shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, oh, I love this line as well. And so it's talking about all the how all these ladies, you know, they're they're rummies and gin soaked sort of uh, loose women, uh, and they all hang around this bloke. But so he's following that up with the landlord of the Lady of the Lake was not, as may be guessed, an Adonis. <laughs> uh, he stinks, he's huge. He, yet he found favour in the sight of ladies of a certain stamp and was known to keep more than one establishment. Um, and so, yeah. Who's writing this Don Rickles or something? And it goes on to say, like, take, you know, yeah. he would take, um, he would almost, he would act like a fence, basically. So it says he would take any household, uh, household item over his bar. And then he would sell it onto someone. So people, if they robbed a place, they knew exactly where to take it. Mm. Um, and then it says, like, another thing that he was known for was that Bay Street shopkeepers would arise only to find their window shutters and doors smeared over with paint, the names obliterated, and obscene epithets inserted. It was well known that Hancock and his push were the delinquents, uh, but no amount of inquiry could sheet the charge home simply because the shopkeepers and others annoyed were afraid of the consequences. Um, and it says the death of Robert Hancock was the occasion of a great wake, an orgy, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, never miss a fucking good time for an orgy. Yeah, yeah. Although the uh, the late Mr. George Reed, governor of Darlinghurst Jail, was executor of the will, he does not appear to have immediately come across the scene. Uh, Hancock's housekeeper had the body lying in a state on the taproom table, lights burnt at the head and feet, and general invitation to all and sundry to come and drink to the welfare of the departed. So, like. 
proper old Irish wake, lay the dead guy out on the table. Here is his stinky, <laughs> fat, <laughs> yeah, it is fat, decomposing. Like, no, he smells better <laughs> than normal. <you> know? <laughs> um, and it basically, yeah. So it goes on. He's he's buried to this day at Rookwood, um, that cemetery out slightly out west. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this sort of goes on to do a bit more history, which I won't get too far into. But I just love because it ends that um, sort of little a little bit of color about the way he died and his most famous hotel and then his wake and then it just cuts to the next part of the article that just says had insane wife in upper room <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, all right okay. i start reading this and um i mean if you've got an insane wife you put her upstairs <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have a um and basically what happened is before he had the lady of the lake he used to have a pub called the tower inn and it was legitimately a big fucking tower with the uh, like a pub at the base. And he lived in the tower and he apparently locked his n- insane wife in the top of this tower mm. and he erected a huge statue of himself like at the at the oh, yeah. at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, she's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so and it says he um yeah, he appears to have acted Bluebeard, which is like you know, some old Pirate. Pirate, yeah, right, effectively. Okay. Who, from what I could gather, was yeah, known to lock women in chambers. That's, okay. That was that. Um, but now, the fun little fact, and uh, if we ever go on a, um, a community notice board excursion out to Rookwood Cemetery, the statue that he built to himself is just ad- like it just adorns his grave there. Oh, like, oh, cool. Yeah, so you can still go out find yeah. the old Bobby Hancock That's statue. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to go take know, a photo. You put your own statue in and just send it to I want to get like the shitty like um, copper footy trophy, like someone yeah, yeah. in the past put giant one Drew's seven foot tall in the <laughs> statue. <laughs> like ripped ass. <laughs> um, but yeah, if anyone lives out near Rookwood, go find us a photo Damn. and send it in. And, but, and yeah. so where was his pub in where, your street? You said Greek Street. It said it's Bay, Bay Street, the corner of Greek Street. Greek Street certainly sounds like one they might have changed yeah. <laughs> since then. Doesn't, I don't recall it Greek was, um, Street. I think it's just called the Glebe now. I'm guessing it's um like the pub the like Glebe it's not Youth a existing Hotel, maybe? Yeah, I think it I think Sam might be right. I think it ended up becoming the Australian Youth Hotel. Yeah. yeah oh. Well that is the one. It, it's called the Glebe. Glebe. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um but yeah, that's that's Bobby Hancock. Oh, there is a Greek Street in Greek. So, really? Yeah. All right, Sam, we have two more questions for you. The Ooh. first is if someone says to you Hey, I am coming down to Glebe for 24 hours. I need an itinerary. I need something to do morning, afternoon, and night. What do you tell them to do? Where do you tell them to go? All right. Wow. Um, That feels like I'm going on a date with this person. (laughs) You can. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Take a sunrise walk around the water down <laughs> by the bay. Get chased mm-hmm. by some timber dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah throw a couple <laughs> of sea slugs at each other. Paramore. That's right. Yeah, no, that's an easy one, I think. Yeah, go for a lovely walk in a park. Beautiful. You can walk all the way around the headland to the to the fish markets if you want to, as they mm. still exist, but then you'll be out of Glebe, so you have to double back quickly for the rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to get out. You get one hour outside. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of the day, I, there's plenty of cafes. and But the one that comes to mind is this empanada shop. I don't even know what it's called, but my mum used to call it the CIA because <laughs> they they make really awesome empanadas. They're mm-hmm. um, near Wigram Road, where Wigram Road hits Glee Point Road. And they overthrow governments <laughs> in Central America. Well, the thing is, you everybody wants the empanadas that are only available... Apparently, from you know an undisclosed time to an undisclosed time, about a, a, a one-hour range, mm-hmm. and it might be like twelve to one on one particular day, for example. And you mm-hmm. just go and you you go, do you have any? And they're like, nah, we already sold out. 
So I was like, what kind of front is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're open all the time. You never have the one thing that everybody <laughs> wants. Yeah. And you always say, There's, they're cooking out the back. And it's, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, so if you can get there at the right time, the yeah. empanada shop of unknown name, I would thoroughly recommend <laughs> a couple awesome. of bit of lunch. Beautiful. Yeah. And in the evening, well, you could come on down to the old friend in hand. Yeah. There we go. Yes, what absolutely. a great plug. Where, uh, where there's a great comedy night on Fridays. Yeah. Awesome. And we should <laughs> say here to the listeners that we are about to uh, record an episode, part two of our oral history of Sydney comedy with yep. Sam. So. Uh, if you want to hear all about the friend in hand, and I'm sure Harold Park it's Hotel, we're going to get into a lot of glee chat as well. Yeah, I'm glad we avoided for this. Five yeah. bucks a month, get on that Patreon. Yeah. yeah. So that's so, but but definitely go and uh, check out. Uh, yeah. What's what's the gig called? I forget. Exactly. Mike and Stand. Mike and Stand. Friday, Friday night. Nights. Friday night. The friend in hand hotel. Great pub. Great gig. Um, it is a cool pub. Oh, we haven't talked about that pub at all. Oh, it's a great it. pub. It's like the, the, one of the best. The parrot, the the crab racing. It's just a very yeah eclectic sort of yeah. You don't get that anywhere sort mm. of thing. So and yeah, go check it out. Final question. Final question, Sam. You have achieved the highest achievements you've ever wanted. Your comedy career has ascended to the highest heights. Your career as an author has ascended to the highest heights. You've got all the money in the world. Would you settle down in Glebe? There is this big... There's like three in a row on Glebe Point Road, these big mansion houses, which I guess where the Whipmaster Prime... Yeah. The, the Whipmaster to the Whipmasters used to live. And they've got turrets in them, um, and I always would walk past and look at the turret and be like, I'd love to write up there. I work as a writer primarily. So I'm like, I could write in a turret. <laughs> maybe I could lock my insane wife up there. <laughs> but no, no, I want to write up there. And so the exact scenario that you rhetorically described to me, I have thought about, and I go and knock on the front door of my favourite one of these like three big mansion houses with turrets. Mm. And I say, how much for this house? And they said, no. Oh, Sorry, it's not for sale. It's been in our family for generations and no, we're not going to sell it. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand what I'm saying to you. How much? Hmm. What price yeah. gets the job done? And again, they say no. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> Name your price. Yeah. And eventually, with all the money in the world, with my great success, yeah. I overspent by an amazing <laughs> <laughs> and end up managing to get this house of my dreams. And you just tell them and that. And then I go up into the turret and I never come down. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Except for empanadas every now and again. I'm like, Do the combat come knocking? Like, you are what, $80 yeah. million dollars yeah. on your Didn't life. you hear? I'm at the pinnacle of my comedy career. <laughs> <laughs> no one I can say no to you me. anymore. We've had people say yes and people say no, but never someone go, I oh, know the house. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the exact yeah. spot I would live. That's the yeah. way to do it, though, you know? Hell yeah. Exactly. You don't want to be like, yes, with all the money in the world, I'll live in a share house, an uh, <laughs> apartment. Uh, and then oh, well, I should mention that I then also go on to turn it into a kind of artistic commune with lots of young people gadding around having yeah. parties on the grounds every yeah. night. Yeah. But they can't come up to your turret. No, no, no that's God, off no. limits. And yeah. everyone stands and looks up at Sam in his turret writing. Yeah. There's with a statue a, of him on with top a quill of it. Yeah. Yeah. quill. Uh, there we go. And so apart from Mike and Stand every Friday at uh, the Friend in Hand Hotel, do you have anything else you want to plug, Sam? Any uh, shows, any books, anything? Yeah, if anyone wants to read one of my books, you can just look me up on Amazon is a good place um sam bowering is my name the people misspell that but if you want an easy way to remember it it's like you would bow to a prince and then you would kiss his ring yeah very good so, yeah so awesome. look up me on the internet if you mm -hmm. want a book 
but I write fantasy and sci-fi and funny books. So uh, yeah, there's my plug. I think that's about that's oh, yeah. what perfect. I usually perfect. <laughs> Which point people towards. And as Drew said, we have a Patreon five bucks a month. Gets you two bonus episodes a month. We are doing an oral history of Sydney comedy, but we've also got some great episodes. We've done one about Corey Worthington and this crazy house party. We just did an insane one about a uh, Sydney con woman who targeted cops. Uh, We've got some more coming up about video stores, school formals, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be good fun. Get on that. Al, your show is already finished. It went amazing. Al has now (laughs) gone to America to Make it big. <laughs> and if you're in America, please buy tickets to my show on Broadway. Tucson Fringe. I have yeah. no song. Alex on Broadway. No, no, I'm sure. If everyone did come out to the show, thank you so much. It's not, it happens next week. But uh, if you listen, this will be done by now. So awesome yeah. stuff. Thanks, everyone. And that is it. We That's will it. see you next week, everybody. Alrighty. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. See you later. Thanks, guys. Bye, Thanks, bye. Bye.